This lesson is based upon two convictions. First, prayer is the most important activity of our lives. And second, most of us feel like we're horribly bad at it. That's my story. It wasn't until I was in my 40s with my professional career falling apart, reputation in tatters, unable to sleep, needing intensive counseling, that I finally began to have some semblance of the prayer life that those in our church had probably always assumed I'd always had as their pastor. But in my case, I had to be stripped down to be driven to my knees. In addition to what was for me near crushing stress, I also needed a mentor, a teacher. I needed someone to teach me how to pray. And I wish I could tell you I was self-aware enough as Jesus' disciples who had the wherewithal to ask, Lord, teach us to pray. But in my case, I was too embarrassed for someone so advanced in professional theological training to admit how far behind I was in knowing how to pray. Now, I knew prayer was important. I'd preached on it. I'd compared prayer to oxygen and said just as breathing was essential for keeping us alive, so prayer was essential for our spiritual life. I'd read many books on prayer, and I prayed most nights with my kids, and yet my personal private prayer life had long been a source of great uh, shame and insecurity for me. The shallowness, the infrequency, my lack of faith in the power, my lack of honest intimacy in prayer. I could, I could hardly face an honest assessment of myself, much less admit that to anyone, even God. That's why I'm so thankful for God that in His unrelenting love, He never let me rest in a life devoid of intimacy with Him. He never allowed me to be content with a life of prayerlessness. When the student was ready, the teacher appeared, and the Lord sent to my life an older man named Russ, who painstakingly taught me a simple way to pray that has sustained me in my darkest hours and continues to be a guiding light for me still today. Even on those nights, I continue to struggle to persevere in prayer. When I'm haunted by that question, I don't know what to do or where to turn, I can pray. Thank God I can pray. But how do I pray? I remember the simple lesson that Russ shared with me one day outside a coffee shop in Los Angeles. He showed me how the world's most famous prayer, the prayer I'd memorized as a child and had taught my children to memorize, how the Lord's Prayer is not only the first prayer, a prayer so simple a child can learn it, but it's also a scaffolding so profound that it can sustain and nourish a whole lifetime of prayer. To be sure, there are other ways to pray, praying scripture, praying through the Psalms, using the prayers of others, walking and praying, uh, learning to speak for yourself, examining your conscience in God's presence, even learning to be still and to listen. These are just some of the ways we learn to pray. The technique is not important, it's the heart. Yet, just as learning to play the scales is essential for a musician, and we never get past it from the youngest beginner to the most skilled maestro, so the Lord's Prayer is foundational to our most human question, Lord, teach us to pray. And how Jesus answered that question so long ago is how Jesus answers us still today. So I want to begin to share with you what my 
mentor Russ began to teach with me that day so that when you feel yourself stuck or fretting and you don't know how to pray, you can always go back to the pattern that our Lord first gave us. I'm not a huge fan of acronyms, but in this case, uh, a few years after Russ's tutorial, I read a very helpful book on prayer, which I commend to you, How to Pray, a Simple Guide by Pete Grieg. And like Russ, Pete also uses the Lord's Prayer as a, as a guide. He, he divides it up with a helpful acronym, P-R-A-Y. Pause, Rejoice, Ask, Yield. And he compares these to dance steps more than a rigid formula, but I've found that P-R-A-Y helps me stumble my way through praying the Lord's Prayer. It gives me some guideposts, and I hope it will do that for you. But before we dive in on how to pray, I want to stress that prayer is a gift. It's not a guilt trip. The God who made us loves us and cherishes us more than we can imagine. The heart of prayer is that our merciful Father longs to talk with us and spend time with us far more than we desire to spend time with Him. I like how Eugene Peterson translates the preface to the Lord's Prayer. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. So we don't need to be someone different than who we are at this present moment. Our Father knows what we're like. He knows that we'll sometimes find it hard to pray and to keep on praying. He knows sometimes the pain will be so deep or confusion so high we won't even have the words that sometimes we'll, all we'll be able to get out is wordless groans. And moreover, His Son delights to help us in prayer. He lives for it. The Bible says that Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. And even when we're praying alone, we never pray on our own. The Holy Spirit is our, is our personal guide and our true teacher. I'm saying that when it comes to prayer, the almighty triune God is on our side, with us and for us. Mother Teresa once said, prayer is nothing less than being on terms of friendship with God. And that's what we're really talking about, deepening our friendship with the God who already did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The Apostle Paul is saying, if God already went to such lengths to deliver us, don't you know He cares for you and will provide everything you need? So as we begin, don't be intimidated or ashamed like I used to be. In fact, the major regret I have today is that how late I learned that God's face towards me is full of mercy and compassion, joined with power, abounding in steadfast love. And I think how much time I wasted and peace I forfeited. I still have a lot of anxiety and fear today, but when I feel it welling up inside me, I call to mind a scripture Russ had me memorize. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer. Let your requests be made known to God with this promise that when we do that, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I always have a choice. I can worry or I can pray. That may sound elementary to you, but for me it was a revelation that I have a choice. I don't have to go through my life fretting and ruminating. I don't have to. And we haven't even started praying yet, but we won't get started, most of us, without reframing what prayer is for us and can be. 
Before we dive into P-R-A-Y and walk through the Lord's Prayer, I want to share a phrase Pete Grieg says is the most helpful bit of advice he was ever given about learning to pray. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple. The Lord's Prayer is short, just 31 words in the original language, and it, and it originally rhymed. So please let go of the expectation that you need to sound good or think up the right words. Praying in private has nothing to do with how it comes out as long as it gets out. As it is with exercise, a simple something is always better than nothing. So keep it simple, make it easy, make it enjoyable. We hear stories of heroes in prayer spending hours at a time, but for most of us that's akin to hearing stories of people running ultramarathons. We understand the concept, but it sounds impossibly far away for us. And it is for most of us. You learn to pray by praying, and you'll only learn how to love to pray by starting small and keeping it simple. Keep it simple and keep it real. Jesus reminds us, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He already knows what we need before we open our mouths. Why does He ask us to pray then? We'll get to that. But for now, as Thomas Merton put it, God is far too real to be met anywhere other than in reality. I like how C.S. Lewis liked to preface his own prayers. The prayer preceding all prayers is, May it be the real I who speaks, and may it be the real thou I speak to. The only person we're keeping in the dark when we put on airs in prayer is ourselves. Jerry Sitzer says, God would far rather we beat on his chest in protest than ignore him with our silence, or I'll add, by fretting over it ourselves. Wouldn't it break your heart to know that your child had been up all night, racked with fear, but afraid to wake you up for fear of how she'd be received. God knows how reluctant a child is to come to a parent she doesn't fully trust or feel safe with, which is why what troubles God most is not our sins, but our reluctance to turn to Him in prayer, because it exposes what we most truly believe about God. God asks for honesty because God desires intimacy. So keep it real and keep it up. This is just the cold, hard fact that no one ever taught me, that will not grow in the habit of prayer without some measure of determined effort, perseverance, discomfort, self-denial, discipline. It takes commitment. You may even find that some of your most rewarding times in prayer come when on the front end it's the last thing you felt like doing. Developing a relationship requires work. No one grows closer to their spouse by rereading their marriage certificate. Look at that. We're legally married. Just as a healthy marriage requires ongoing patterns of investment in your friendship, so our relationship with God requires similar investments. And a big part of keeping it up is just having a routine like Jesus. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, He went to a desolate place and prayed. Sometimes it was at night, sometimes on a mountaintop. Jesus had a routine of prayer, and we need one too. Some of you are morning people, some of you are night owls, some of you have young children. Well, find a time, find a place that works for you. Maybe you have a favorite chair or a place at your kitchen table before your house stirs. Maybe like St. Augustine, you like to move, to walk while you pray. Maybe the only time you get any moment of quiet is in the shower or your car. We'll make that your prayer chapel. Find a sacred pathway, what the old Celts used to call a thin place, one that works for you. But then do it. Sit down, close your eyes, and get on your knees. Do something with your body. 
We are embodied souls, so we need our bodies to teach our souls. Often we need to act our way into feeling. If you wait to pray until you feel like it, you will never pray like you need to. So keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. Ready to pray? P is for pause. To start, we must stop. To move forward, we must pause. Before we say anything, carve out some moments to be still. Silence and solitude seem like a luxury, but it will be hard for us to have a conversation with the God who comes in a still, small voice unless we begin to believe that our very life depends on finding a way for some silence, solitude, and stillness. To use an image from Henry Nouwen, my mind is like a banana tree filled with monkeys constantly jumping up and down, rarely still, rarely quiet, so many thoughts, competing desires, With my monkey brain, I get distracted so easily. Some of the ancients compared it to our brain to a glass of water taken from the river. At first, everything's cloudy. But if you take that glass and sit it on a table, gradually the sediment settles to the bottom and the view becomes clear. Slowing down to be still prepares the heart. It quiets the mind so that we can begin to pray before we ever open our mouths. And you can do this even in the midst of a crowded room. Susanna Wesley, mother of 10, in a highly dysfunctional marriage in a home that was never quiet, used to pull her apron over her head, which her kids learned to mean mom's praying. Pause sounds simple, but most of us get thwarted before we ever get started. Just to breathe in the Holy Spirit and breathe out what's troubling us at the present moment. It is a radical declaration. I'm not God. So I'm going to stop trying to compete with him and trying to run the universe. One of the main differences, one writer put it, between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. If you try and skip this first step and go right into the ritual of prayer, I'm afraid that's what it will become, a box to check. So to start in prayer, first stop, pause. Then R is for rejoice. Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. You can just say it, 10 words. But Russ taught me to pause over the phrases and the words, to meditate on them through the watches of the night. Our Father. I'm not alone. All throughout this prayer, have you ever noticed it's plural? Give us, forgive us, deliver us. Our Father. In more than 20 years of walking alongside people who wished we could pray better, come to believe our primary barrier is not one of knowledge or know-how. It's our reluctance to believe God could possibly be good to us, fond of me personally. Self-loathing stifles prayer. What a thought that our biggest problem with prayer is our thoughts about God. Our Father. Really, Jesus, the God of the universe allows such familiarity, even request it from me, Pray then like this, that God wants me to call him dearest father. And Jesus assures us that his father's desire to help and bless us vastly exceed the most caring parent we can imagine. In heaven, heaven's the control room of the universe. God sees all and knows all. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Even so, knowing everything, where we've been and what we've done, the father still moves toward us in compassion all the more in those places we tend to withdraw in shame. Why start here with praising God and honoring His name, hallowing it? 
his character. Because if we really believe that as Almighty God, he's able to help us, and as our faithful Father, he's willing to help us in any circumstance with all our needs, from great to small, in full light of who we are, could anything, could anything stop us from calling on God? If we trust his character as our merciful, compassionate Father, abounding in love, wouldn't prayer become not just the need-to priority of our day, but the get-to privilege any time, day or night, with anything troubling us? Jesus instructs us, before we ask for anything, to begin by tuning our hearts to remember God is our Father and to rejoice He's in control of everything. Birds were made to fly, fish to swim, so we are most ourselves when we pause to rejoice, to pray, to worship. It fits us. It recenters us in reality. Worship does. Remembering this is our Father. It's our Father's world. Then A, A is for ask. Thy kingdom come on earth. The big word for this is intercession. And you might wonder, what can little old me do for the people of Ukraine? Well, yes, you can send money. But even more practically, you can pray. We can intercede for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Karl Barth said, when we intercede, we're at God's side and lifted up to Him, and therefore to the place where decisions are made in the affairs of His government. If the President of the United States called you and said, your name has been selected at random, we'd like to hear your input on issues foreign and domestic. Would you miss that meeting? Wouldn't you consider it one of the greatest honors of your life? If we truly love people, Richard Foster wrote, we will desire for them far more than it's within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving other people. Thy will be done. I'm not going to get in this little lesson in the anguish of unanswered prayer, though that's a very important question. Why should we need to ask, for that matter, even more than once? Why, why should we need to ask at all? I'll just say this because Jesus asked us to ask, that asking is the rule of God's kingdom, even for Jesus. Ask of me, the Father says to him. And Jesus, too, knows the anguish of unanswered prayer. You do not have because you do not ask, the Bible says. If we get what we need only by asking, why in God's name should we be reluctant to ask? Give us our daily bread. Petition. Let's just say it directly. Prayer changes things. When I pray, William Temple famously put it, coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. I don't understand the math. I just know this, that Jesus asks us to ask. And at its most basic level, prayer is asking God for help. To pray is to admit that we need help. So we pray, expecting that God hears and will give us what we ask or what we would ask for if we knew everything God knew. Daily bread is today's needs for today's trouble to keep us in touch with reality. The French writer Blaise Pascal put it, God has instituted prayer to impart to his creatures the dignity of causality. In his sovereign wisdom, God has decided to let our prayers be one of the ways God runs the universe. We get to be active partners and agents. God does not act the same whether we pray or not, writes Karl Barth. Prayer exerts an influence on God's action. 
And influence is the key word. We can't control God because the truth is we rarely know what we need. But God allows us the dignity of influence. There are wonderful things that will only happen if we ask for them. It's impossible for us to grow in faith without growing in faithfulness and prayer, even if we have to keep beating on heaven's door with bruised knuckles in the dark. My little girl recently put in her journal this quote, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. There will be disappointments of hope along the way, but cling to these words from P.T. Forsyth. We shall come one day to a heaven where we shall gratefully know that God's great refusals were sometimes the truest answers to our truest prayers. So keep asking. And that brings us to why is for yield? Surrender. That's the heart of spirituality, a clenched fist turning into an open hand. Just the fact that we are coming into God's presence, wouldn't you expect God has something for you? The relationship between Bible reading and prayer is intimate. The Bible is the one place you can always be assured of hearing God's voice. And we've said no other habit will do more to transform our lives than learning how to meditate over God's Word. Letting the Bible lead us in prayer reminds us that we don't set the agenda. As if I know what such and such person needs and I'm trying to coax it from God, or I know what I need and I'm trying to coax God into blessing my plans. When we begin to pray, we think it's all about our talking, but the more we do it, the more we experience that prayer is listening. Prayer is also hearing from God. I want your will to be done in my life, but Lord, I don't know what I need or what's best for me. Thy will be done in my life. That's letting God take the lead. And often, often God will initiate a conversation through Scripture. And prayer, you could say, is our response. The Lord's Prayer continues. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Talk about having to yield our rights. A yield to let go of our anger. Stanley Harawas says, Here's where the Lord's Prayer is most difficult for us to pray. But this line might also be where the gospel shines brightest. Because we're coming to our Father in Jesus' name as forgiven people who still have much in our lives that need cleansing. We may get tired of asking and confessing, but God never keeps tired of forgiving us. Confession to God is for our sake, to unburden ourselves, to accept the joy of accepting His forgiveness, to keep impressing on our hearts how much mercy we need and how much we've been forgiven so that we can keep extending forgiveness to others. Seventy times seven. Oh, that frees us from a life of bitterness and resentment. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is telling us there's no neutral ground in your life that we are at war. The final outcome is certain, but the battle still rages. And doesn't our world show us that today, that today's headlines can only be understood in terms of real evil, the devil and his powers, still at work in the world. Until we believe our life is war, not just when two countries are in conflict, but our very life, only then will we begin to grasp what prayer is for. Deliver us, Lord, acknowledges that we stand in God's might and Jesus' authority, not our own. If we rely on our power, we'll lose. But be assured, we do stand with confidence because He does deliver us. For thine is the kingdom, this is your world, God, and the power, you've got the power, not me, and the glory, it's about you, Lord, it's not about me, now and forever, amen. 
Amen means a hearty, yes, I agree, so be it. Friends, I want you to learn from my failures. Learn from me as I learned from my mentor, Russ, as he learned to P-R-A-Y. When you don't know where to turn, always go back to the Lord's Prayer. It's simple enough to be memorized by a child, but profound enough to sustain a lifetime of prayer. Just go through it every day until those promises get woven into your souls. Okay, see you next week.